Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, April 7th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Toyota's new CEO targets a million and a half EV sales by 2026. Cruise updates its robo-taxi software after a bus crash. And no, it's not deja vu. Tesla is cutting prices again. Plus, we'll hear from an executive with an electronic billing and payment platform who says auto lenders need to get with the times. Everyone talks about, you know, that great relationship with the dealer. But, you know, if I were to ask you, and if you have an auto loan, you know, what's your um, auto loan account number? Odds are you're going to look at me like, what are you talking about? I don't have that memorized. Like, why would I have that memorized? Right? So if you're, if you're prompting the consumer, give me your account number, already you're putting friction in the way. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. In his first news conference as Toyota's new CEO, Koji Sato warned that the industry is in a, quote, life or death situation. That's how he set the stage to announce plans to turbocharge the company's EV sales to 1.5 million vehicles in 2026. Sato plans to do that with the help of a newly developed platform and local production of a three-row full electric crossover in North America. The new dedicated architecture will allow Toyota's future EVs to double their range thanks to more efficient battery use and require half the investment and development resources. In the next three years, Toyota and Lexus will add a total of 10 new EVs. They will include models on the new platform and others on evolved versions of the current ETNGA one. Tesla is once again cutting prices across its U.S. lineup. That's after reporting first quarter sales that were sharply higher, but far short of CEO Elon Musk's goal of 50% per year. The world's EV leader says its least expensive vehicle, the base Model 3 sedan, would lose half of its current $7,500 federal tax incentive later this month when new battery sourcing rules take effect. Tesla also listed a new version of the Model Y crossover for customer orders with a lower base price and less range than the previous base trim. The new base version is called Model Y, whereas the previous entry version was the Model Y Long Range. After the new price cuts, the automaker listed the base Model 3 with a single motor and rear-wheel drive at $43,600 with shipping for a $1,000 reduction. Meanwhile, one of Tesla's co-founders could soon return as a member of the company's board of directors. The EV maker has nominated J.B. Straubel to the board. He spent 15 years at Tesla as its chief technical officer before moving on to found battery recycling startup Redwood Materials. Straubel's nomination is part of a broader reshaping of the carmaker's senior management structure. He would replace Hiromichi Mizuno, who isn't seeking re-election. The company has also named Tom Zhu, who was the driving force behind its Shanghai plant, as its senior vice president for automotive operations. The proposal to elect Straubel is one of five issues the company has asked investors to consider at its May 16th annual meeting. And General Motors' self-driving unit Cruise is recalling 300 robo-taxis and updating their software. That's after one of the vehicles crashed into a bus in San Francisco two weeks ago. In a document submitted Monday to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Cruise said its robo-taxi inaccurately predicted the bus's movement, which resulted in a collision. 
Cruz said it notified NHTSA the following day in accordance with the agency's crash report mandate and implemented the software update two days after the crash. The report says the software issue hasn't caused any other crashes. In a blog post on Thursday, Cruz CEO Kyle Vogt detailed the bus collision. He said it resulted in minor damage to the front fender of the robo-taxi and didn't cause any injuries. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, with Toyota's new sales target at a million and a half, does this show the company has a new attitude to EVs with the new CEO? I think it does. You know, they just changed the previous CEO, Akio Toyota, still the chairman, and they are very close, uh, Toyota and Mr. Sato, the new CEO. But Sato brings a new approach to EVs. He's much more enthusiastic, seems to have much more confidence in their ability to engineer EVs that will be price competitive and valuable for the automaker. He's also, though, still retaining some of his predecessor's views that, you know, maybe larger vehicles need hydrogen power, maybe some developing economies need hybrids or, you know, smaller, cheaper, reliable gas burning vehicles in order to make sure everyone can still get around. But there's clearly a renewed focus on EVs, a much greater intensification and desire to be competitive in that space. Interesting. Coming up, we'll hear from a software executive who says auto lenders should embrace QR codes and other quick payment methods. That's next on Daily Drive. Hi, I'm Pete Bigelow, host of Shift, a podcast about mobility from Automotive News. Each week, I bring you a conversation with leaders who are on the cutting edge of transportation, like this one with consultant and strategist Salika Josiah Talbot. The technologists are forcing themselves in a space that they shouldn't be. And I think the social scientists and politicians are falling down on the job. To hear more about the new technology and policy reshaping the way people and goods move around, join me on Shift. New episodes each Sunday on autonews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Dealership sales and F&I staff make a lot of effort when a customer is buying a new vehicle and protection products, but there's not a lot of thought about the next 48 or more months when that customer makes their monthly car payment. Each month is an opportunity to impress with great customer service. That's according to Steve Kramer, Vice President of Product at the electronic payment and billing platform Pay Near Me. He says auto lenders can learn a lot from companies such as Uber and Lyft when it comes to payment convenience. Kramer spoke with Automotive News senior editor Dan Shine on how auto lenders can adopt more frictionless payment options for customers. Steve, thanks so much for joining me on the F&I edition of Daily Drive. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be here. So for you listeners out there, um, if you haven't signed up for the F&I newsletter, it comes to your inbox every Wednesday. You get great news and information, and occasionally delighted by guest columns that uh, Steve wrote recently for us about frictionless payments. And Steve, it's it's such a, you know, we, I think in an auto space, they talk about selling the car and making that customer experience so great. I kind of focus on F&I and, and service and parts, and there's also talk about, you know, like that customer experience. But there's not a lot of discussion about once that person leaves the lot with their new vehicle, month after month, they're having a customer experience and that is paying their bill. And it's not, you know, an easy thing for some to do, or it's not as easy as it could be. Why is that the case? 
Yeah, it's a great question, Dan. And it's, it's a great observation too, right? Everyone's always, ex you know, that experience in the dealership or when I come for service or right. But how many times do you do that? You know, a few times over the life cycle of your, of your vehicle. But imagine it's a five-year loan. There's 60 chances where you're interacting with that consumer. It's 60 chances to make it seamless, to make it easy, to make the consumer delighted, right, to work with you. And people don't think through that. They're like, yeah, people are going to come in and pay their bill. And that's really kind of a backwards way to think about it. You've got now 60 opportunities here to make that customer happy and to try and remove that friction. And really haven't seen a lot of lenders or, or providers really focusing on that effort. How do I make this easier? And look, as as the economy is changing, as, as inflation has, has gone up, it's becoming more and more important as consumers are, are you know, prioritizing bills and, and struggling to actually make their bill payments. And, and this is an area where I, I really think, you know, especially auto vendors need to be focusing more. I think it's probably they're happy. They, they've sold the car, they've sold the loan, and that's kind of what they focus on, right? And then after that, it's like, well, like you said, they'll mail us a check or they'll go online and or they'll have it taken out of their you know, bank account. But there are other ways to, you know, to make this easier that people are more used to these days. And it's kind of old fashioned to put a check in the mail every month. Talk a little bit about like in your guest column, you, you mentioned kind of what they call, you call trailblazers uh, in the kind of this payment space. Tell me a little bit uh, about some of the things that you, some of the companies you think are doing a good job and maybe that, you know, auto lenders could take a page from. Well, look, if, if you look at some of the Blazers out there, like an Uber or a Lyft type company, right? If you think about what their app is, that's a payment app, right? You are paying someone to take a ride, but no one thinks about it that way, right? You're thinking about, oh, I'm booking a ride here. And, and the, the payment almost just comes along for the ride. It's, it's a seamless experience for the consumer. I don't have to remember my Uber account number or my Lyft account number, right? It just comes along with me for the ride, if you pardon the pun. So that's where you need to start thinking about it. How do I get rid of that friction? How do I make it just so easy for the consumer? Look, you know, everyone talks about, you know, that great relationship with the dealer. But, you know, if I were to ask you, and if you have an auto loan, you know, what's your um, auto loan account number? Odds are you're going to look at me like, what are you talking about? I don't have that memorized. Like, why would I have that memorized? Right? So if you're, if you're prompting the consumer, give me your account number, already you're putting friction in the way. And secondarily, right? And we saw this with a, with a survey we did. Like why why do people struggle to pay bills? Uh, a lot of time it is, oh, what's my login and password for that site? I don't remember. I have to go to find forgot password. You know, again, putting more friction in the way of the consumer. So the more you can remove that friction, let's get rid of a login and password need to get a bill payment made. Let's get rid of the need that I have to have that account number in and just make it as seamless as possible. Look, especially when you look down generations, right down to the millennial generation or whatever, the whole idea of a check in the mail, they'll, they'll look at you like you have two heads, right? Like, what's a check? <laughs> and, and how much is a stamp? I have no idea, right? They're used to instant payments. Let me go onto an app, let me thumbprint, let me move on and be done. And if that's not what you're doing, if you're not servicing them in that way, then you're not meeting their needs. You're not meeting that consumer where they live today. And again, removing all that friction from what they're trying to do. And it's not a case of, any kind of cyber risk or things like that. Cause again, with an Uber or a Lyft, you know, your credit card information is right there on your phone. So it's not, that's not really should be a consideration, right? Yeah. I mean, you obviously, if you're working with a third party provider, like a pay your right? You want to make sure that they have the proper security around it like we do, but generally not. Right. And, and what we like to say is if you just make it seamless to go in and pay, look, if, if someone wants to hack my account and pay my auto loan for me, Hey, you know, 
I don't know if that's the worst thing in the world. I don't know that I'm necessarily going to complain to anybody, but still you, you want to make sure that doesn't happen. But so you want to make sure there's the proper security controls around it. But in general, yeah, you just want to put enough security in place that, that you know who the consumer is. The consumer can come in and do what they need to do. And look, if the consumer wants to do more, add a new card or, or, or change an auto pay, for example, then maybe you do put a little bit of friction in that place, right? Where you go, okay, now that you want to change how your auto pay is set up, you know, maybe we'll ask you for a login or password or account number or something because we want to make sure it's you. But just for a general straight through bill pay, make it as seamless and easy as possible. Absolutely. So you mentioned a, a company I had not heard of called Clover. Um, that's probably because I'm a boomer and, and why, would I, <laughs> why, why would I hear Tell me a little bit about them and how they operate. Another great example of, of and and what's kind of funny with a company like a Clover or or any of the the folks who are doing like restaurant type services, we like to say the everything is old is new again, right? The whole idea of like a QR code, you know, if you remember ten years ago, you know, QR codes are going to change everything. Then it kind of quiet, but then around the pandemic, people started discovering, hey, this is a, a pretty seamless way to get in here. So you know, with something like a Clover app. You could be at a restaurant and when they bring you your bill, there's a QR code on there that you just scan, pay your bill right at your table and you move on, right? So you don't have to hand your credit card to a waiter and have them go off and pay. You can self-serve. Well, now, if you take that same theory and apply it to a bill pay, why can't you just put a QR code right on your bill and the consumer can scan that QR code? It knows who they are. It's a custom code, right? So it's built for Dan Shai, right? He scans it. It takes him right into his account. So we know it's Dan and he can pay that bill with just two clicks and be done. Again, get rid of all the friction there. Scan, pay, you're out. Right. And it's just, and it's, it's a, a customer convenience that more and more people want to use. Absolutely. And then it, take it now a step further, right? So again, demographically, when you look down at, at some of the younger generations, not only are they going to want to scan and pay and just move on, self-serve, Right. But there have different ways they want to pay. You know, you and I are probably paying with a debit card or a check or something like that. But they're going to be using PayPal or Venmo. or so. And oftentimes, and, and we saw these numbers, uh, a large percentage of them are keeping a balance in these apps in PayPal or in Venmo. So they're actually using that as a pseudo bank account, if you will. Well, look, this is where their money is. If you can't accept a bill payment from that PayPal wallet or that Venmo wallet, you're now making it harder for that consumer to pay you. Look, this is where my money is. Let me pay you that way. Uh, and if you don't allow that, if you don't enable those other payment types, again, you're making it harder. You're putting more friction in front of that consumer to let them pay. Last thought, Steve, before we, we have to go. It makes a lot of sense. Now, again, you and I are a little bit of older generation. And, and <laughs> although I think you know, we're, you know, we're hip enough that we've adapted a little bit to using our phones. But there's, like you said, there's, there's this younger generation, and this is what they're used to, and this is what they're going to, demand as the years go by. So it would be incumbent upon lenders and banks and whoever else is, you know, servicing your auto loan to kind of get with the times a little bit. A absolutely. Look, it's it, the, I, you know, the talk about responsive web design. Oh, it works well on the web and on the phone too. We're kind of past that. You know, when you're down in that generation, that is how they're accessing you. They are accessing it on the phone. You've got to be thinking mobile first. It better work perfectly seamlessly on the phone. They better be able to thumbprint, get out with two clicks and be done or it's not the experience that those consumers are used to using. It just seems like a lot of common sense, but sometimes Often <laughs> is. common sense doesn't rule the day all the time. So Exactly. Not as common as we like to think, right? Right. Steve, I appreciate the conversation. Thanks for your time. Dan, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Steve Kramer is Vice President of Product at the electronic payment and billing platform Pay Near Me. He spoke with our own Dan Shine for this week's Automotive News F&I newsletter. You can sign up for the newsletter at autonews.com. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. 
And I'm Callan Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Hans Grimel, Lawrence Iliff, and Audrey LaForest for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on finance and insurance, electrification, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back on Monday for my conversation with Hyundai Global COO Jose Munoz from the New York Auto Show. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.